Welcome to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our path to a truly wealthy life through conversations with talented and successful women and men who are designing their version of a meaningful and prosperous life. Teresa Leftenant is a certified financial planner with 30 years experience as a financial advisor and wealth coach to women just like you. She is founder of ReinventingHer.com and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Teresa is a relationship with money expert and a reinvention mentor for women who are ready to create a life that makes their hearts sing and their bank account swell. CFP and Certified Financial Planner, the Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated, owns these certification marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. Hey, welcome everyone to episode 58 of A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we support women who are creating their own version of a wealthy life. I've been a CFP and a wealth advisor for over 20 years, and women and their partners hire me to gain the right knowledge and confidence so they can build the financial resources they need to pursue their passions, explore who they are, express their inner talents, and live their personal dreams. So join us every week to hear my expert guests and I explore seven aspects of living a wealthy life, including financial, but also physical health and wellness, professional and career, mental and emotional wellness, recreation and fun, relationships, and contribution and legacy. And I share about the inner power qualities that women can develop and the latest thoughts on pursuing a wealthy life. You know, every week, I'm so fortunate to have a different expert on the show, and today's guest is an expert on well-being. Now, how do you define well-being in your life? Do you even consider whether your being is well and what it might require for you to feel that feeling of well-being? I was so excited to meet and talk to our guest today because I wanted to learn more about what I need to be mindful of in order to bring more well-being into my life. But before I introduce her, I thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about well-being with money. Have you ever thought about whether your relationship with money, how you think and feel about money is in a state of well-being? Well, if you've listened to the show before, you know that one of the concepts that I talk about over and over is that the quality of our life begins with how we think about it, about the different aspects of our life. And I'm talking about those inside feelings that we have as we go about experiencing our day. You know, like, do you have a feeling of confidence that you're doing what you need to be doing to be healthy? Are you feeling fulfilled and satisfied with your interactions in your important relationships? And are you grateful for the financial situation that you do have? And is it expanding? I'd put all of those feelings under the category of well-being. Now, a concept that helps me stay balanced when I think about how to maintain a sense of well-being in my life, it's something that I created and I call it the inner power motivator. Now, the inner power motivator is actually the relationship between our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors, because all those things mix together and it leads to our life conditions or our results, and that's what we experience every day. And we all know this, everything begins with a thought. But when we experience a condition that we don't like, 
we can usually trace it back to an original thought that's probably negative. Because human beings, we have a tendency to think negatively. When we let our mind just be on idle, when we let our mind be on idle, you know, kind of like when the car idles, that's when negative thoughts can show up. And that can slow our progress towards pursuing our potential and living a wealthy life. Now, it's true, moving slowly is just fine. But in order to achieve big goals that we have in our life, like being able to retire at 55, or maybe leave our corporate job to open up our dream business, it requires that we have the motivation we need to pick up the pace. And that's where understanding and working the inner power motivator comes in handy. The way to activate our inner powers and stimulate motivation to move forward faster towards our goals is to manage our thoughts first. Human beings, we're really unique mammals because we can direct our thoughts, we can create our thoughts, and we can understand that our thoughts are the beginning of everything that we create in our life. And if a thought is negative, then our feelings feel low and our motivation to take action can actually be non-existent. But if our thought is positive, then we can feel excitement which motivates us to do those hard things, you know, whatever it takes. If you want a better life, want to feel a sense of well-being with your money, do you want to craft an abundance mindset? Then you can focus on your thoughts. You know, I was thinking about the word abundance because it's always connected to money. It's also the word scarcity is connected to money. But of course, we can have all sorts of other abundance in our lives. We can have an abundance of love, an abundance of energy, an abundance of ideas. But right now, in this moment, I want you to answer just this one question. Are, are my thoughts about money generally abundant or generally scarce? Now, regardless of whether your thoughts lean toward positive or lean towards negative, what would you rather have going through your mind and directing your feelings and your behavior? Wouldn't you rather think more abundantly about the possibilities that you have to pursue your own potential? Of course, we want to think abundantly and we want to experience abundance. And yet, most of us don't really know how to go about that. We don't know what to think. We don't know how to feel or what to do to ultimately feel that sense of abundant well-being. But you're in luck because I'm going to give you a few tips right now to bring that sense of abundance and well-being into your life more often. So tip number one is to dedicate yourself to some simple mindfulness practices, including creating and repeating abundance affirmations every day. Also visualizing your goals and dreams up, up in your imagination so that you can see a picture of where you're going. Noticing what triggers negative thoughts so you can process any past pain or, or hurt around money and get over it. Also noticing what's going well in your life with your money and allowing gratitude to fill your senses. That really enhances a feeling of well-being. And also make friends with your emotions. You know, those big feelings inside that can surprise you sometimes. Ask them what they're telling you. 
learn from your feelings because that's what they're there for, to teach you more about yourself. Tip number two is to remember always that energy flows where attention goes. So focus on taking steps to improve an aspect of your money every day. Perhaps you could do something like look at your bank account to assess whether you're actually spending your money on what's really important to you, because awareness always precedes change. Tip number three is to set a daily intention to change one negative scarcity thought into a positive abundance thought every day. Remember that when we think thoughts over and over, it can become a belief that's really ingrained. And sometimes our beliefs can be helpful to us or harmful. So I like to challenge my beliefs. I ask whether what I'm thinking is true really is or not. Because many of our thoughts and beliefs are actually wrong, and holding on to them can really sabotage the quality of our life. Tip number four, make friends with your desire for more. Listen to it. Talk to it. Analyze what that feeling of desire is actually telling you. Do you really want that second piece of chocolate cake, or do you want to talk to your boyfriend about what's been bothering you? See, we can get really confused by that feeling of desire, but learning to understand it can help you make better decisions with your money. All right. In summary, activate your inner power motivator by focusing on what's good and noticing how that feels. Make friends with your feelings and with your desire for more. Talk out loud about what you want and celebrate that you have the ability to feel a sense of well-being. Practice positive abundance affirmations and gratitude statements for what's going right in your life. We provide our coaching clients with a positive affirmation tip sheet so they can design affirmations that support their individual life pursuits. So visit reinventingher.com and click schedule for a 20-minute chat with me to get to know each other. All right, just like everything. Creating an abundance mindset is not a destination, it's a journey, but people who are developing abundance mindsets are moving forward and experiencing their version of a wealthy life along the way. Let's introduce our guest now. Oksana Esperard's work supports positive behavioral change through elevating human and organizational well-being. A master meditation and initiator, she guides companies in the creation of evolutionary wellness cultures by inviting conscious executives and employees to a deeper relationship with themselves. No stranger to life's curveballs, Oksana's personal journey spans a challenging childhood in the USSR and a solo immigration to the U.S., where her pursuit of the American dream resulted in massive burnout and depression. Ultimately, a transformational experience in the Indian Himalayas led her to found Sattva Me, a mental well-being training organization that bridges the gap between stress and anxiety and the infinite possibility for people to evolve into their highest potential. Today, Oksana's proprietary approach to well-being and pioneering mindfulness work with leading-edge businesses like Microsoft, BuzzFeed, and MIT is reimagining the workplace as an energetic source of well-being that allows us all to experience the world as a magnificent interconnected place. I really love that. So you can read more of Oksana's full story in her best-selling book, Next Level You, And you can learn more about her work at sattva.me. 
Hey, welcome to the show, Exana. I'm so happy to be here, have you here with me. Wonderful to be here with you, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. You know, you and I were introduced to each other by a healthcare professional that we both love and respect. And we knew right away that we shared this vision that I create on the show of living a wealthy life, because not only do we make taking care of our health a priority, but we're both entrepreneurs and we both share a passion for empowering others. Now, in your case, you focus on supporting people in creating more well-being in their life. So let's start by grounding our listeners in your definition of well-being. Yes, that uh, that is always subject to our own interpretation. So the way I came to define well-being is the state and the experience of health and happiness in these areas of our life, which includes mental, emotional, physical, social, financial, which is your expertise, and spiritual. If we get out of one or the other bucket, then our general well-being suffers. We are this all-around multidimensional being. So that's how I define it. Well, and um, I really understand that because we're multidimensional beings, as you say. And sometimes we don't really understand what's not working or what is what haven't we been paying attention to, right? Right. And we confuse the things and we blame it. Sometimes we don't have relationship with self figured out. Our mental and emotional bucket are empty, but we blame it on the other and we say our relationships don't work. Um, Or we are actually empty spiritually, but we tend to throw it in the work bucket because we think that that's where we're supposed to find fulfillment. And so we work harder and faster, but then we still don't get the well-being component that is uh, lacking our attention and energy. Right. And I know that in my personal development journey, um, I, I used to just blame everybody else for what was going wrong in my life until I realized that I had to turn inward. I had to figure myself out. And I imagine that that's that's a lot of what you help people realize. Well, first of all, it's a lot of what I did as well. Everybody's (laughs) fault, except my own. And also I took it to a different level. I decided to search for that happy place and I traveled extensively. Within two years, I went to 40 countries in the world. So I really was running fast and I was really determined to experience and find that happy place somewhere else. But I never um, occurred to me to look inside first. So we all all do it. Right. Yeah, we all have our own version of this, uh, trying to run from whatever it is that we don't want to face, but then ultimately we have to face it. And uh, we have to take a break in a minute. But before we do, I thought I would just give you a little bit more opportunity to tell us a little bit about how your journey started before you, you know, reached the level of burnout and depression that you have shared with me that you experienced. So can you share that before the break? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Russian originally, as you mentioned in the bio, I was born in USSR. And the whole culture as, as a country, USSR is no longer existing, but just the Slavic cultures, they are marked with a lot of uh, heaviness in our history. There's a lot of light, there's a lot of bright sides, but there's also a lot of heaviness. And I was not a stranger of that. And I adapted that culture of poverty mentality and constant stress and constant fear, non-belief in the future. And when I 
I immigrated to the United States uh, at the age of 21 permanently, the first time I was here when I was 16 as an exchange student. So when I came back at the age of 21, I thought that I will achieve this American dream. And I really charged at it, super hardworking, super motivated. I came here solo. And I thought that uh, it's only up to me to make it happen. And so putting all my energy into the American dream, I didn't realize that I was missing other aspects of my life. And when I finally achieved what I thought was success in all the definitions of our textbook and society um, of good apartment, good job, good boyfriend, good car, you know, all this stuff, um, I really felt utterly depressed and miserable. And I was asking myself at the age of 25, is there more to life? Because if there is none, I don't want to live. Mm-hmm. And that was my rock bottom where I thought that I achieved everything that was asked of me. And now there was nowhere to go. And, um, and that really marked the beginning of first running for two years, because I was like, I blamed the United States and everybody in the United States on my inward full unfulfillment and uh, then utterly being in Hong Kong I finally started to get the tools of well-being mindfulness and meditation and different modalities and energy work that started me on this path to looking inward well thank you for sharing that that part of your story you know sometimes it's not easy to admit that we didn't do it quote right or we missed something and so I appreciate that and so we are going to take a break right now and when we come back I want to hear a little bit more about how you transitioned to you learning the mindfulness and then starting your company so we'll be right back everyone to a wealthy life for her Are you a leader who cares about your team beyond the bottom line? Studies show that dangerous levels of stress and burnout are higher in teams of productive overachievers. With our wellness boosters, your employees will rejuvenate their energy and balance in all areas of their lives. Visit satva.me to sign up for our engaging employee and leadership experiences. At satva.me, we believe that well-being fuels inspiring work, which is how we move the world forward. Satva.me. S-A-T-T-V-A dot M-E. Reinventing Her was born in 2014 with the vision of adding life and money mindset coaching for professional women who have unique challenges to becoming financially independent. After 30 years of talking to women about their money, Teresa Leftenant knew the time was right to empower women to transform everything they thought they knew about living a wealthy life. Start your journey toward pursuing a unique vision of a prosperous and meaningful life at Reinventing her.com. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back, everyone, to A Wealthy Life for Her with my guest, Oksana Esperard. She is the founder of Sattva Me, and she's also a master meditation initiator, which I'm looking forward to hearing more about. Okay, so we just got started before the break, and we you were telling us about your story of you know, really pursuing the American dream and then being successful on all the measurements that you thought were appropriate. And then you realized you really weren't happy. You were depressed. You were really tired out. So then you started this journey. You went to India. Tell it, pick up the story from there. 
Right. So when I pursued the American dream, I was in the hospitality industry and I was pursuing a I would say the corporate trajectory of regular job. Nobody would ever tell me that I would do what I do now. Mm. As I started, I continued in hospitality, even though I had the burnout and I left and traveled for two years, lived for two years in Hong Kong mainly. I came back and a hospitality degree kind of welcomed me back in and I started on a different path working at Yacht Charters at that time. But the soul search is, has begun and I already knew that there is some other ways that I need to approach the way I do things. And I think it's more like an inquiry. I never did any active search for India or the retreat that I found there. It found me through a series of synchronicities through a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, how we like to say it. And then you saw something and it led to the other thing. It's almost like the egg hunt, <laughs> treasure yes. hunt. And as a result, I, at the age of 30, I ended up going to India, into the Indian Himalayas, where I've met with this Indian guru, but not your classic guru. It wasn't the old man with beard and orange hair. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be able to listen to anybody like that at that time. I was so arrogant. I was so on the go that it wasn't it wasn't cutting for me. It was um, a young master and he was driving Mercedes and he was speaking a language and he was using cell phones and being very upbeat with life. He traveled all over the world himself and he was teaching and so I could uh, definitely relate and hear the wisdom from him and the journey really was not so much about the talk but about the experiences that I started to have there the amount of crying that I did of just releasing the old emotions and I mean you talked about emotions and our capacity to retell our story inside but you only can tell this story after you start owning it and owning that story requires courage it requires looking at that hurt being inside and really find compassion for her or for him. And that's what I did there for 21 days, mostly. <laughs> I, was, I was crying, I was releasing, I was retelling the stories to myself through the tools of mindfulness, meditation, somatic experience within different exercises every day there. Um, and as a result, I came back to the United States and I felt like I one, got to share this, and two, I wanted it to hold me accountable to continue practice because innately I realized that if I just going to go back to my regular rhythm of life, it will just melt away little by little. So I needed something to hold myself accountable. And that's where I started to offer business meditations in downtown of Miami at that time. And shortly after I realized that this is the passion of my life, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I opened Satwa Me. And I continue going back to India for more and more different trainings and retreats and other things. So it's an ongoing journey that I evolve as a human being. And I love to say that all of uh, your listeners and you yourself and um, all of my clients are holding me accountable to keep being on this journey myself and continue evol evolving. Oh, what a wonderful story. And the the part that I like is that you realize that it is a journey and that you love the journey and you didn't want to get off the journey. That's how I feel about my personal growth. I, I, I didn't go to India and I don't have the, the spiritual side to it as much, but I definitely had um, massive transformational experiences that changed me in every way. And I wasn't willing to go back. So I needed to, I knew that I needed to make it a life 
lifetime commitment to continue having people teach me and show me what more about myself, because that's really what it's about, isn't it? We, we really, the life journey is about discovering ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. And it's, it could be different event for anybody. I don't say that going to India is a requirement to embark on this journey of self-awareness. It could be any event. And I wish more often than not, we as human beings will choose this path out of place of uh, positive search, but more often than not, it happens because of some kind of negative influence, a loss, um, an accident that happens that people or loss of health that people start really looking into those tools. And my goal is to really impact the culture that we can prevent that step and don't have to fall low before we can start looking up. Boy, that is so true that I mean, I had a low in my life as well. And, uh, you know, there's a triggering point where you go, I'm I've got to save myself. So it's wonderful that you are so clear about this being your life purpose, that you want to help people understand they don't have to wait for that triggering experience. They can just decide today that they're going to shift the way they look at things and then start learning the the tools that really, the tools are kind of the same. Um, The way different people teach them are different, but it's kind of the same. Okay. So you started Sotfa Me and your vision for this company, tell, I don't want to say your words. I want you to tell us what the vision is for you. The vision is to start living and embracing the culture of well-being instead of the culture of stress, Mm -hmm. because I see on many examples in all frontiers all across the globe that unfortunately, as a human race, we embrace the culture of stress. We live it, we breathe it, we practice it, we teach our kids and future generations of how to do things, we create our policies around it. And it's not something that I could accept as the reality because I was able to, on my personal level and for a number of people and clients to embrace that culture of well-being and it's just such a more efficient, happier, better way to live our life and to spend the time together and be able to create meaningful impact is to come from the place of well-being versus coming from the place of stress. And it has to be addressed as a culture. I used to believe that, well, if I just teach this meditation to this group and do this, then things are going to happen. But unfortunately, I see that it needs to be a whole global mindset shift. And my choice is to do it through businesses because I believe that businesses are the engines of transformation within the culture in general. When companies and business people start to adapt different things of you in things, then we all start to pay attention to doing things in a new way. And you've worked with some pretty big companies so far, but what is the interest? What is the opening for your message right now in corporations? Well, the interesting part is that the opening for the message still rotates about money because companies are for-profit organizations. And unless you point them, how are they going to either gain or save? It's uh, very hard to come and promote a 
a good message, mm -hmm. but something that is not going to result in the company bottom line. Mm -hmm. And the message here for all business organization and not a business organization is the hard numbers of increased productivity, lower turnover, increase, decrease healthcare costs, um, increase in what I call value and investment, where we talk about loyalty, morale, um, numbers decrease in absentees and presentees, where they really convert into dollars lost or dollars gained. And so the message is the same. Okay, you have done so much and you might be ahead of your competition, might be not, but are you interested to learn a different competitive advantage that you can implement in today's age and time? Because I think we got really good at economy efficiency when it comes to leveraging technology and reducing costs and nailing down the numbers on people's productivity. But the costs that are going up right now is in human capital. And right. that's are the medical costs, the loss of um, work productive days, PTOs, turnover rates. And so all of these hard costs that we don't yet know how to control, these tools can help. And so usually that gets their attention somehow. Right. And I think there is more research uh, being done in these hard results that the more softer skills that you're talking about um, actually uh, promote. And, you know, I also know that there's, as the leadership of corporations get younger, because it, it does seem that the, as uh, the younger people follow these ideas of meditation and mindfulness more than older people. Cause it just wasn't part of our culture when I was growing up. I mean, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be open to it as a, a woman who's older than you. But anyway, I do think that that has a lot to do with it too. Don't you? Absolutely. The medical research and research by the largest corporations that are interested in um, tracking the, their investment is shows it. And it's spiked about uh, five years ago. There's really a lot of not only business, but medical research that shows the efficacy of these tools on both frontiers. And yes, it definitely makes it more science-based for us to be able to bring these tools. Yes. And the other thing that um, you mentioned earlier, which I really think is an important point, is how we define success. Um, you know, I'm in the financial business and having more and more money it was really all the goal, you know, but now my own industry is transitioning to more of supporting a quality of life and supporting what each individual person wants to create in their life as opposed to just more and more money. So I, I think that's part of the message too. That is the cultural shift. That is the mindset shift is that we are slowly but surely redefining what success really is. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I still believe that success is a personal definition for everybody based on our interests, our aspirations in life, the way we want to fulfill our purpose here, who we want to include in that purpose. But one thing I believe that should be constant for all of us as a humanity, that true success includes well-being. Mm -hmm. If you are achieving things at all costs, 
and you're not including the 360 dimensions of your life that, you know, your career is great, your health is great, your finances are great, but your relationships suffer, then I'm sorry, that is not a true success. And we used to kind of compartmentalize things and we tend to glorify one aspect of somebody else's life and, sh- and kind of close the idea of, well, it's okay, he's a successful entrepreneur and he's doing so and so and so. But nobody really looks that he died at the age of 50 from cancer and it could be prevented. Right. So it's like, how is that a success? Right. <laughs> and at least not in my definition. So many right. could argue, but that's what I stand for. Well, I have to say uh, in my own business, there's a difference in the definition for men and for women, which is natural and as it should be, because we're not designed the same way when we're when we come out into the world. But I wanted to say you know, the balance between pursuing your potential, which I think that's the yearning. I talk about this, that we have this yearning inside to become all that we can be. And that's something that's invisible, but we feel it. Uh, and so within we like, okay, how do I go about that? But you, but we want to learn to balance pursuing potential and, and not get burnt out and ruin our health and so on. Uh, just learn what well-being is. And that's what I want to explore next is how can we begin to make this shift in our own life? You know, for those of us who are listening today, I hope that you'll share just, you know, two or three things that we can all do to start shifting our mindset from doing too much to, to just being well, feeling well-being. So stay with us, everyone. We're going to come right back in a moment to a wealthy life for her. Are you a leader who cares about your team beyond the bottom line? Studies show that dangerous levels of stress and burnout are higher in teams of productive overachievers. With our wellness boosters, your employees will rejuvenate their energy and balance in all areas of their lives. Visit satva.me to sign up for our engaging employee and leadership experiences. At satva.me, we believe that well-being fuels inspiring work, which is how we move the world forward. Satva.me. S-A-T-T-V-A. It's a truth that's hard to admit, but professional women face unique challenges from financial and life circumstances that threaten their long-term financial security and quality of life. Women earn less than men, live an average five years longer, take time out from their careers to raise children, and are less confident making financial choices. Solving the challenges that are robbing you of a wealthy life takes a committed and courageous money mindset. Visit reinventingher.com and schedule a chat with Teresa Leftenant, a wealthy life specialist who cares. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with my guest, Oksana Esperard. She is the founder of Sattva Me. She's also a best-selling author, a coach, and I love she's the chief people officer. I want to be that. Okay, so Oksana, um, we were talking a little bit about uh, you know, how we uh, pursue with maddening intensity our lives. We get all stressed out. Um, we have anxiety. In fact, after the, you know, in the 
pandemic has caused unprecedented levels of anxiety. And so um, let's talk about your work because you really want to teach well-being in corporations. You want to change the world uh, from that perspective. So share with me how you do that. Absolutely. Well, um, there are a number of ways, and I like to put them into the buckets. There are some organizations, like we've talked about, that are already up to speed, and they're ready to embark on this journey, and they know that it's a shift in the culture. And there are leaders and organizations that are still in the kind of discovery state, and they want to see if it's the right fit for them, if it's something that employees go into like. And so we want, we don't want to exclude anybody. And in such case for the group number one, I'll um, call them that, uh, we have the programs, we have the solutions already that come with number of ongoing engagements where we have proven formula of what other clients of ours really liked and enjoy and how we can reinforce behavioral change. So the interest here is in in enforcing and changing behavior versus um, just putting a quick fix on the education. Mm -hmm. and, and that's done through the webinars, through practices, and everything comes with a practical approach. It's not just telling you what to do, is actually create an opportunity for you to discover what mm. true and matters for you. Of course, we supplemented with education and facts, but it's a process. It's a discovery process. And for the companies that are just kind of stepping into that idea, we create one-time opportunities to engage via webinars and programs and retreats, short-term and longer-term, and we customize it for them based on their needs and desires and we, what I call planting seeds. And then, of course, once they're ready to engage for more and as we all evolve in this time, then um, usually we return and we come back saying, are you ready for more now? And generally they are and, you know, different people evolve in different rates. Sure. So that so it's a, it's a process, just like everything is. It's a journey. And, you know, we have to give people a chance to change because transformation requires um, looking at your life and deciding what works and what doesn't work and then deciding that you're going to do things differently. So how do you overcome people's resistance to changing? Well, um, resistance to change is inside our brain. There is nothing that we can really fight off with because that's what we kind of wired for biologically. And it's, uh, it's a good response in that way because uh, it keeps us safe, it keeps us protected. Um, generally, what we do is uh, helping people to understand it logically, especially business world. People are really logical. We don't just take a word for something. We want to make sure that the numbers are backed up and then there's making sense for us. Number two is creating experience. If you felt it, you cannot deny it. If this is your experience, nobody else can tell you, well, this is not true any, anymore. It at least will plant a doubt that there are potentially a better way or a different way to be able to do things. And number three, it's a constant reinforcement. You work with habit changes. You mentioned affirmations. It's, um, it's, not, it's not possible to change long-lasting and great behavior as one and done. It has to be coming as a reinforcement over a period of time. And depending on how stubborn you are, and I was really stubborn, it took me years, um, you will change the habit. It will just 
might take you longer or shorter. And it also depends how deeply committed you are to that habit as well, how much important. Some people may change out of um, a seemingly short seminar and they can immediately start making changes. And sometimes it takes years, sometimes lifetime to correct certain behaviors. And so it's really an individual process, but yeah, the guidelines can be used in group and um, collective setting. So what you're saying is that, you know, experiential learning is really the most powerful learning and because it puts you in the circumstance and then you get to learn how you react or behave in a certain set of experiences. But then you're also saying reinforcement after that to make sure everybody retains what experience, what they learned in the experience. Would that be how you would say it? Absolutely. Yes. Well, think about the examples of us learning things in school. How much do you remember of math equations or history lessons or language, the foreign language that you were just repeating, trying to memorize that was not a part of your experience? Right. And, you know, how much, how much do we remember by now? It's, it's tiny, if not everything got erased. What we keep and retain is what we habitually practice, what we live every day. That's why the component of culture is super important because that's what I talk about is what we live and practice every single day. That's what I define as culture. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, I, I, I'm assuming that when a group of people do it together, it's incredibly bonding and they can help each other and support each other and be each other's accountability partner and all of that, which actually think about that in your day at work. Uh, that could be quite exciting to have that refreshing change to the daily routine. Okay, so now you teach meditation in your work. Can you talk about the importance of that in the whole, you know, vision of, of what you're doing in the world? Absolutely. Well, I am one of the people that practice meditation for years without really understanding what it is, but that stubbornness that I talk about of changing habits actually played good for me here because I didn't understand what it was and what it was doing, but I was stubborn enough to continuously practice it. And I would say it's expedited my journey, but it could be much, much shorter to be able to take advantage of these tools. And uh, I am convinced now that I am a master meditation initiator and I've, um, been practices practicing for over 10 years um, that meditation is an absolute must for everybody in today's day and time because we are such fast-paced information loaded society as a human race and that comes from really remote areas even in india to our high society high faith high faith society in the business world in the united states and um in uh, Western cultures in general, or Eastern cultures as well. Sure. And meditation is the tool that allows us to create awareness of our inner world so we can process and adjust the outer world. The simple way to think about it is we constantly interact with external world. And what makes meaning and sense for us supposedly should be loaded inside us as part of our makeup, as part of our culture, as part of our functioning. Nowadays, because we are not culturally stopping and pausing, we literally don't have filters of what we want to keep and what we want to discard. 
As a result, we feel overwhelmed, pressured, burned out, stressed, because our buckets, our mental and emotional buckets are just full. And the majority of it is garbage because we never took time to say, I want this, I don't want this kind of sprinkling. And meditation is that one of those tools that you have to do it every day because the loads and buckets of information that keeps coming at you are significant. And that is the opportunity for you not only to process the external environment, but also sit and cognize what are my needs and what do I, what is important for me and really become a creator of your life. So when you identify that, become clear of your needs, your um, aspirations, then you go into the external world as a creator. You're no longer just swept left and right by it. You're clear and you're purposeful and you know what's going to support and what's not going to support. I don't know any other way known to me and if somebody else knows please that has been invented by our human brain to be able to do that other than having quiet time and be able to disconnect and create space between our thoughts emotions and our activity well said and i'm going to repeat the one part that i think is a real takeaway so meditation allows us to have an awareness of our inner world so we can process the outer world and that gives us the ability to decide what we want to keep and what we don't which can reduce overwhelm and burnout how did i do with that you did fabulous <laughs> i would add one word and create Oh, create. Yes. Process yes. and co-create. So absolutely sign. I will sign my name by every word that you just said and add create there because that empowerment of us being co-creators of our life and not just the victims that continuously suffer what life brings us. We have that power. We can create our own experiences as well as be equipped to process experiences of life that life brings us unexpectedly. You know, that to me is a big selling point to corporations because think about how clearing out some of the toxicity, clearing out some of the unneeded thoughts uh, through meditation, how that could contribute to more productivity, but not just more productivity for productivity's sake, but to allow a person to really enjoy their work, to actually be themselves in their work. I, I just think that it's beautiful what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, okay. Meditation is one big component. Can you kind of carve out another component uh, of your work and share it with us? Well, we talk about well-being in general, right? The cultural okay. well-being and meditation mm -hmm. is a tool it's one of the techniques that can be used for your mental and emotional regulation. Not everyone in today's society actually can meditate. In fact, it's not suggested for people that are highly anxious, depressed, any kind of really enhanced medical issues because that think about it this way you are sitting inside and you're really cognizing what's going on inside you and meditation might not be the right tool for that so when many people i hear it over and over and over and over saying i tried to meditate and my mind doesn't stop and it's not for me it's not working for me and that's a valid conclusion to make however i would encourage if this is your 
first experience with meditation, I would encourage you to start with breathing techniques because what happens is we are too high speed on our brain activity. And then when we try to go from 120 to a zero, we experience hardship. It's like slamming the brake or hitting a wall. It's uncomfortable and not so many people can do that. And therefore there's a lot of activity lingering. What helps is down-regulating the nervous system through body movements, through breathing technique. Um, and we teach them literally in the office. Right now, most people are working from home and I assume will continue to work from home, but it's literally at your desk. You don't even need to move anywhere in a different space. You can do these things while you're driving, certain, not everything. It's <laughs> not closing your eyes. You can't close your eyes while you're driving. <laughs> yes, please don't. But there are certain <laughs> things that you literally can do to, to learn how to self-regulate and stay mindful and aware, even while doing other activities. And these are the things that we cover of how to integrate these tools. One, you have to have to allocate the time for yourself personally to reshuffle your inner world. But then you have a number of tools that you can integrate in your workday, during your workday. Office ergonomics is very important. We talk about sleep. We talk about just educating people on stress and what it is, emotional recognition, self-awareness, awareness of others. How do we know that, um, you know, it's time to really help your teammates to reset and take that break. Um, and then there are general business practices that need to change in a company. And that starts with a leadership. And so we work a lot with leadership teams to be able to educate them and help with them together of starting to implement different policies within organizations. And leadership buy-in is really, really, really important in this work. I see that around work expectations, how they set up the daily schedule and that kind of thing. So if you can um, if you can combine those conversations with leaders with what you shared with me, breathing techniques, taking a break for body movements, um, slowing down, uh, allocating time to uh, sleep, self-awareness, awareness of other people. I love all those techniques and I can see that they could be incredibly helpful with, you know, team work together. Absolutely. In fact, you mentioned team bonding and creating that connection on uh, on the level of the teams and the level of employees as a society, as a community within the organization. And that's one of our value propositions, because even right now, as we work still more in online environment and we will continue to work in online environment, the amount of camaraderie that comes out of these sessions is incredible because our brain waves and heart waves that are um, physical waves that are coming outside of our bodies, out of our brains, that they actually have a non-local, non-time dimension to them. And when people um, even sit quiet together, there is this level of understanding beyond words that happens. And people um, just view one another at different levels. And when their CEOs, CFOs, come into those sessions as well. And any C-level executive, I had a, a, a story uh, with one of the, that one of the CEOs that we worked with shared. He said, we were in this uh, meeting online and one of the employees who was way below him, but they were all attending our sessions in our program. He said, you need to chill. You need to take a breath. Imagine what an empowerment it is for an employee to tell to the CEO, to take a breath because yeah. it's 
too much of activity going on. And, and the CEO was like, you were right, because they were both in the same program and they both had the same context. So they didn't have it as, um, one didn't take it as an offense and another one um, didn't take it as, oh, I couldn't speak up because right. I'm talking to CEO. So it's empowering. And it really, once the change starts to go um, top down, then it really, the most powerful is when it starts to go bottom up, when people start to feel like, Yes, if you're losing your mind right now, I shouldn't be able to tell you on a human to human level that right. it's time to pause. Right. So you're finding um, connection through everybody's just a human being learning these tools together for the betterment of the whole group and company and so on. I love that this is becoming more out in the world. And I know that you train other people, right? You have a team of people who go out. So it's not just you, right? You, you are training other leaders in this way. Yes, absolutely. Um, the growth trajectory for Sattva Me is to actually include and, and bring together other well-being practitioners and other modalities that currently are not being looked at or considered in the corporate world. Um, they might not have the right message. They might not know how to tie it up to bottom line. And the idea here is to really partner up with the well-being of all aspects, um, even practitioners like yourself. Like, for example, I don't teach financial well-being, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not my part or relationships component, but sometimes organizations are willing and able to provide and sponsor this types of um, classes and education and experiences for their employees. So here the idea is to create the whole well-being army and do it together because I don't believe that one or even a couple of individuals can create the revolution from culture of stress of culture of well-being because it's a 180 degree shift. And I'm also in full realization that I probably will die on this mission. <laughs> I don't see that in my well, lifetime. It'll magically There's change. good news there because we are extending life expectancy uh, significantly with all of the new health um, abilities we have to be healthy. So um, you're going to have a long life of doing this work. And I so appreciate that you've been with us. Uh, what's in the last thing I'd like you to say is that, you know, we have some conscious leaders listening today. I'm sure. So what's the first step for people to reach out to you? I would encourage uh, to visit the website. It has a number of resources of information of the tools that we already offer of the subject and the topics, whether you're interested in the programs or just one time topic to kind of test the waters. Um, look through the website is sattva.me, S-A-T-T-V-A.me. And there are the bunch of opportunities to schedule a free consultation with me to be able to then customize. Let's talk. Um, to right. That I have been ready. there. It's a gorgeous website, really well designed. And so thank you so much for sharing about well-being today. I'm so grateful to Dr. Day for introducing us. Absolutely. Likewise. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Next week, our guest will be Catherine Sherlock. She's the founder of HigherMindfulness.com. And we'll be talking about the cutting edges of emotional intelligence, human potential, and leadership. So make sure you join us next week. And thank you, everyone, for listening and being part of our Wealthy Life for Her mission. Don't miss out on any of our incredibly talented guests by listening live every week on 1150kknw.com and subscribing 
subscribing to our podcast on your favorite platform. I'd be grateful if you share the show with your friends and family and leave a review so more people can discover our show. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook under Reinventing Her and learn more about working with me at ReinventingHer.com. You can also purchase my book, Reinventing Her, Helping Women Plan, Pursue, and Capitalize on Their Next Chapter, available on Amazon. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, you deserve a wealthy life and to attain the financial independence that you desire, which is your birthright. So when you engage your inner superpowers and get your financial house in order, you can overcome any challenge and create that wealthy life on your terms. We'll see you next week. Teresa is founder of Reinventing Her and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon. She is a certified financial planner and reinvention mentor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at reinventingher.com.